Welcome back. Welcome to some. Another installment of Where Welcome. the Pavement Ends. Brought to you by the wonderful folks over at Sig Sauer. I don't know if you tuned in last time, but we had a lengthy discussion about concealed weapons and your duty to do so and carry one. Or your duty not to if you uh, aren't so obliged or educated or trained properly to carry one but we we wish everyone would i'm i I definitely do it would make for a lot safer (laughs) i i carry not because it is but because it's just a badass gun more people know it's a badass gun the one that i carry p365 is the number one selling handgun in america and do you carry it 365 364 and a half three quarters you take it off on Christmas on Eve. On leap year. I think that's <laughs> all them kids. No, I put it on the fa- on your family. family morning might get a little crazy. <laughs> no. But yeah, um, they're awesome. I want to talk about a little a little uh, older version of the Six Hour P360. Nice transition, Crosby. And that's a... Uh, <laughs> let's talk arrowheads. The ancient Six Hour. The ancient Six Hour. The ancient everything. You know, if you... It, you can't help but if you're an outdoorsman, hunter, fisherman, hiker, backpacker, mountain biker, whatever, at least in Nevada, and I'm pretty sure pretty much all over, uh, if you look hard enough, you run into arrowheads, man, and it's just crazy to let your mind wander back to, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know the numbers here, but 200 years ago, I mean... All the way back to what 10, 15,000 years ago, and and for that matter, even probably before then, you know, without pulling out some kind of a history book or that that arrowhead uh, book that's out there that you can look at timelines and values and shapes and stuff. But I mean, when you think about that, you know, to to think that another hunter who I'm sure they didn't call I mean I'm sure they called themselves hunters, but they weren't hunting like we hunt. They were hunting to live and survive. They walked on the same areas that you're walking on, you know, and one story that just quickly flashes into my head is Clint and I stalking an antelope a couple years ago, you know, actively stalking an antelope on, you know, hands and knees and crawling and and all of a sudden Clint goes, oh, you know, and he he just finds this four inch, you know, almost perfect arrowhead, you know, literally, literally as we're cresting this hill to, you know, shoot an antelope And, and, and you, your mind goes to, well, 300, 400, 500 years ago, an Indian did the exact same thing we're doing. You know, crawled over this same little hill and, you know, was hiding from an antelope. And they obviously had to get a heck of a lot closer than uh, we had to get. But it's cool. And uh, like I said, I think a lot of people in Nevada do it. Uh, we sure do it. We don't keep any of them. You know, they're, uh, I think it's the quintessential where the pavement ends thing. You know, when you're out there, you just you just can't help but. Looking you're looking, around. you're, you know, I, I can kind of start thinking back to childhood and stuff. And my dad loved to do it. I mean, he would go out of his way a lot like I have loved, learned to love to do as I've gotten older. But, uh, you know, it started off when you were actually hunting. And I think that's probably the coolest part of it. Just like Alex was just talking about was the, you know, they're doing the same thing that you're doing right now. You're in the, you're in the same terrain. And the fact that you're stalking an, an animal in that spot 
it's been going on for generations and generations of humans and and nature and that's just a cool thing about it but yeah my dad used to you know he'd stop go to the bathroom for example and then a half hour later he'd come back around because he started seeing obsidian chips on the ground and you know just you just kind of have to take a look while you're out there and Mm -hmm. it's just a natural part of what we what we did growing up and hunting and fishing and camping and a big part of that was spending an afternoon looking around for the black rocks on the desert and um yeah i mean there's there's many many stories that we'll get into here in the next hour about uh why we love to do something like that you know how it brings people together and what i find funny about it for me is i absolutely hated doing it when i was a kid (laughs) so i i'm the the modern day chad chad's never liked to do it chad doesn't have the the patience or the time but um i I just couldn't stand to do it i'd rather sleep in the truck while while clay and my dad would go out and look around for arrowheads i thought it was the most boring thing in the world because i'd never found one just like fishing when I was a kid. I hated to fish when I was a kid because I never caught a dang fish, you know? <laughs> but once you find that first arrowhead, once you catch that first few fish, you almost kind of get addicted to it and stuff. So I've I've learned to appreciate it as as the years have gone on myself. Clay, he picked up on it, you know, probably from the very beginning. That was like what him and my dad liked to do a lot. And I, I would just usually hang back at the truck and either sleep or, you know, be a loser. Shoot the BB gun or something, you know, instead of going out there and looking for those stupid rocks. <laughs> so I just like it because, you know, you're out, like you're saying, you're out there hunting with modern day technology, rifle or bow, whatever. And in my mind, my, my mind always goes to, have I ever stepped on a piece of land that has never been stepped on before? Have I ever been on a ridge? Have I ever stood on a rock outcropping have i ever wherever it is i always my mind goes there like mm-hmm. am i the first person ever to walk this piece of ground stand here whatever and sure enough a lot of times you think you are and then you look down and there's a freaking arrowhead sitting there and you're like i, I might be the only quote-unquote white guy that's ever stood <laughs> here because i'm not lazy and walk up these hills but you're not the first human no. <laughs> because you find them in the most you know, craziest places, but not, not in the craziest place. The cool thing, like, I think you just mentioned it. You usually find them where you're hunting. So it's that generational thing over thousands and thousands of years, the animals are doing the same thing. Typically water sources are somewhat going to be in the same spots, springs and stuff like that. Dry up, come up every, however, you know, 10 years or whatever. But those animals usually do the same path and you're going to find those animals today where they were a thousand years ago, 10,000 years ago, maybe. And you're still hunting the same spots that those people hunted for. That's pretty cool to be. The the cover that they used is the cover that you're trying to use. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, those big rocks and those, you know, swells and, you know, valleys and stuff like that. They're they're They've been there since obviously the dawn of time and they don't change much. So yeah, what they were using to, conceal themselves from an animal is the same thing you're concealing you know i always like to think about you know so like chucker hunting i remember a long time ago i found a little tiny bird arrow like right at the top of a ridge you know and so you can kind of think you know that they're rabbit hunting or bird hunting you know something that i'm doing here you know but uh when you find like down in the camps and stuff like that you know you like you wonder how long were they here like was this was this like a civilization, you know, 500 years ago? Is this where maybe they just stopped over for, 
a week or two, you know, because I think they've pretty much determined that most of the, at least the tribes around here were fairly nomadic, right? you know, because they're, they're staying away from cold weather and, and, and maybe to a degree staying away from the really hot weather too, you know, so. Well, I think it goes back to some of our earlier discussions on the podcast. Um, yeah. So you've mentioned the hunting thing. They were their hunt. They were the hunter gatherer. If you look at, at history books and things like that, that would be that group of people for thousands of years that were nomads another way of saying what they were hunter gatherers and that's that they by definition they were nomadic and i think at least the reading that i've done and studying up on and stuff where we live in this huge large area again is the great basin so it was a not only temperature changes and stuff but the influx of water sources yeah yeah. and with the water sources coming back the animals are going to congregate the animals in the form of humans are going to congregate to, to take those animals. And then as the water dried up, they moved to different areas. So that, to me, that's one of the more fascinating things is when we're out in the, you know, Northern Washoe County desert, which is technically still part of that great basin, those people generationally stayed in that area and probably roamed as far up as, southern canada at least oregon washington they were all kind of the same type of people and they just happened to they happened to land in a certain area because of the game that was there because if they could sustain life but then also um the warring factions that part of it that's something you don't consider you think of you know i I, what was what what was north america you know let's just say in 5000 bc you know what was its population you know i can think back to when i was a kid and, you know, you have this idea that there was just these little spots of people here and there, you mm-hmm. know, it was way more populated than you would, your little brain could ever, um, wrap around, you know, yeah. there was a lot, there was a lot of people. So there's a lot of different tribes, you know, we've seen it in movies like dances with wolves and things like that, where they were essentially just like from the dawn of time, we've been fighting with each other. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. Even out here, you were stuck in an area and if you, if it was a good area to be in, you stayed there. And it, in order to stay there, you had to be tough. You had to be yeah, strategic and you had it. to ward off other humans just to have the right to that area. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and that's basically kind of a broad overview of what eventually we find something on the ground, either something that's partially made, partially chipped on, broken, or a full piece that, that dates back to these people that they were passing through this area. They might have stayed for a little while. They might have come back generationally. And here we are hundreds of years later, sometimes thousands of years later, and we're, we're finding the remnants of that on top of the soil. It's not like you're digging down six feet and finding things or digging in a cave. They're on the surface of the, of the earth. And if you really kind of put that in perspective, it's pretty fascinating. Especially what just sparked my mind is the cattle and the wild horses that are <laughs> in Nevada, for those to make it through, you know, yeah, all the all the cows that have been led in those lands. Yeah, because not just in the land. Sorry to interrupt. You can no, continue, but, but just not just out in the middle of nowhere. They're now yeah. right around all the water sources where they were hunted and shot. You know those arrowheads are. So sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, that's it just it's crazy to think that they make it through. You know, on top of making it through, you know, rain, snow, sleet, hail, all the temperature change. You know, the sun beating down on them, all that. And they don't get stepped on, and nobody else found them, and then you find them. It, I mean, it's like finding a needle in a stack of needles, but they're actually a little bit, you know, easier to find than that. Like you said, maybe when you were a kid, 
you never could find one. And but Clay's got this stupid, uncanny ability to find all of them. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a uh, cool. And it, another thing that you know, there's a situational, I guess, pieces is what you know. You find ceremonial kind of arrowheads or game pieces or, or beads. yeah. So then you then your mind even travels further, like. You know, what was yeah. this like a sacred area? Was this a, you know, maybe did somebody die right here? You know, th- there's all sorts of, you know, different things that could, or it could have been just some guy at a really cool arrowhead and dropped it right there or shot it right there. Or, who <laughs> yeah. knows? You know, that's what's kind of so cool about finding them. Yeah. I, and another thing for me is finding a certain types, right? There's hundreds, if not thousands of different varieties and styles from the different tribes from year after year, you know, gener- uh, decade after decade, <laughs> that all these different variations of the arrowhead were made from different rocks that they found a different quarry, maybe up in Oregon that were traded down here for some, whatever it is, if a rock down here for something over here. And then they learn from a different tribe over here that this artifact, or it flies better if you notch it out this way, this notch is better tied onto this type of wood, whatever it is, that's what's really cool. And for the historians to be able to go back and go, okay, this notch was made from 10,000 BC to whatever it is, you know, generationally, that's what's really crazy to me because you can find, let's say a crescent and just and a made little, of a certain material, a certain material, yeah. at, and and another air, uh, two feet away, you could find one that's ten thousand years newer or older, mm-hmm. and that's what's crazy to me that they they were there for that long. And just like our technology, right? We have better arrows, we have better guns, we have better ammo, we have better this, better that, and they did that themselves. Because if you look from forever ago, the arrow might be notched a certain way, but why didn't they stick with that if it was good? They learned better techniques of different arrows and things for different objects and tie them and work and whatever it is. So that's what's really cool for me to see that they stayed there year after year and just continued to hone their craft and not just sit on it just like we do today. It's just, it's... Well, and not to get off topic, but, you know, then you fast forward to like the Iron Age... And they still continued to make arrowheads yeah. out of arrows. They just or, learned how to make it out of iron. Yeah. You know, so you get somebody, they they weren't cutting, you know, stuff back then like that. So they were forging still or, forging it, yeah. you know, pouring or whatever, and then figured out how to sharpen it. You know, it's just, it's crazy to think about like that primitive, you know, when you think back to that, somebody's ancestors taught you know, their offspring, how to make an arrowhead. You know what I mean? Like you would sit down, like your grandpa would teach you how to make an arrowhead, would teach you how to make a knife, would teach you how to, and you know, he would pass that down and pass it down and pass it down and pass. You know, you're not born with that skill. That's not an an instinctual skill to, so they were taught all that from their ancestors who were taught and taught. (laughs) That puts it in perspective. Like you're saying, you know, you're not talking in hundreds of years, you know, you're thinking, yeah. The generation, which you, you start talking thousands of years of yeah. the evolution of man yeah. in, the, in the form of what you guys Tools. are talking about. You know, that's that. So yeah. arrowhead wise, we're calling bringing <laughs> bringing Chad back into the yeah. conversation. That's why Chad hates it, right? Because he thinks that it, there's just some crackhead white dude down on Fourth Street Ch- napping, napping away, napping arrowheads, <laughs> and then walks out in the desert and just 
flings them out of his pockets, and that's what we're finding. Yeah. So, <laughs> what? Uh, which guys are making them now, right? They reproduce them, yeah. but they don't. They're not even close to the same, no, in my opinion. No. I think that's one of the interesting little subcategories of it is fl- you know flint napping. That's what they did, and just to to really think about you know the advancement of technology. I would almost argue what they were doing at that time. I mean, it had to do with, I guess, more like the chemistry of stuff and learning iron and welding and boiling points and all that. But what the craft of what they were doing was highly sophisticated. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee you, go out there and find a piece of obsidian laying around in the desert and make an arrowhead out of it. Yeah, it's, it, I've tried. It's, 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 it's impossible. impossible. And obviously, it's not technically impossible. They were doing it. But how they did that is really fascinating to me that I, th- I think there was... There was artistry to it when you talk about, mm-hmm. you know, you probably had, you know, let's just say grandma was a was a flint napper and six <laughs> generations later she learned how to make a, a, a pinot point yeah. or, a, you know, they got all these different names the for them, side notched and top notched and all this stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure certain people had just a certain artistic ability mm-hmm. and the way that they made that notch work, it, had, it did have to do, it had to do with... Uh, I want to say ballistics right now, but you know it had to wait, do with the way that they could efficiently tie it onto the stick yeah, that they had. Making atlatls, or you know, making and, yeah. And then, it is. So there's the other part of it. So we're getting down to. So what's an atlatl? An atlatl? It's a a long arrow that they not shot from a bow. It was tied onto a sh- basic, shaft and a shaft from the like arrowhead handle, onto a long yeah. shaft. So basically, shaft a spear, was, like, it's like a, a spear with a spear, launching right? device. Yes, a spear yeah. with an, a rope tied to the back end of that shaft that they would fling be able to fling flat, Th- fast and accurate and think about that it's just like you think these are primitive people no that's that's <laughs> geometry and physics and all I that stuff i couldn't do that today well and who's the first guy that figured out dude if i could get another foot longer arm i'd be able to throw that thing further yeah. Th- two foot longer arm three foot longer you know then they came and that's what i was going to talk about too is like so they they show a lot of those in fallon mm-hmm because you know that they were real popular with the tribe that was out in probably other places too, but they weren't as popular like in other parts. So then you wonder, did they did they use that because they were throwing them at the ducks out on the Stillwater? They needed further. They didn't want to shoot their boat, or that's what makes your mind wander because there aren't a lot of answers. I mean, there's speculation or stuff, and I'm sure you know, we could research re- more recovery. But, you know, you spend that. That's a lot of man hours. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you have your little knapsack of, let's just say, a dozen different atlatl, spear point, you know, bird arrows, whatever you want to call them, arrowheads kind of stuff. We tend to say arrowhead about everything, but probably a vast majority of them aren't actually arrowheads. But anyways, yeah, I imagine recovery is part of that, too. If you're going to go after a fish or a or bird. a duck on the water, if it's attached to a four four foot stick, you're going to be able to recover that because you're going to miss a lot more often than you're going to hit. Yeah. So you're not going to want to have to chip. Imagine if you had to chip. An arrowhead for every time you either shot it or you know you know speared it at an animal. Every time you never could recover yeah. that point again. You'd spend your whole life making arrowheads. You never you never be able well, to eat. I was just talking to this because we saw that when we went to Utah, we went to this prehistoric museum, and then people were asking, "Well, what's that?" And I, you know, somewhat educated in this because obviously I like it. There was an arrowhead tied to like a six inch piece of wood or shaft intact wood or re- replicated no, wood intact. intact. That's cool. So, which I've known before. I, know, point. I can't remember the, the exact name for it, but it's like a six or eight inch piece of uh, shaft and then the arrowhead. Okay. That 
was tied on and they would have hundreds of those in their sacks the because they could make those real quick because the the six inches of straightness tied to an arrowhead took let's say five minutes the hard part to be a successful hunter was a very straight shaft <laughs> kind of funny to right. say that right. but your arrow had to be straight and true and that to heat up because obviously the technology back then right they had to run it through rocks and get it heated up and straighten water and and straighten all these shafts out that took a hell of a lot longer than because uh, it's quick arrowhead when you become a master they 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 can, chip them, on them. They can chip them off i couldn't do one in a week right they could do it like in five ten minutes they boom, 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 and they can make so many arrowheads and the time onto those shafts to where when they shot an animal and it went inside the animal and it broke. They didn't want to break the shaft. They would hope that it would break at that little six inch part or it, they could just pull the arrow back out. And if the arrow broke or that little piece front of it broke, be hitting a bone or something like that, it wouldn't ruin the whole shaft. Right. They could reuse the shaft and then just tie on another arrow with six inches of piece of wood on it's it. It's almost like the first uh, removable broadhead or something, yeah, right? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like basically what yeah. it is. Because that's what took the time well, is the it, shaft. Yeah, and that's and, and that has to do, you're kind of getting almost like archaeology and some of it. <laughs> some of it's just people studying it, and it's some of it's theoretical. I mean, that's kind of the cool thing about it. Your opinion on something might be just as accurate as the experts, you know, because they're just kind of they're they're speculating to a certain degree. But yeah, I think the the wood part of it's a very important part of it for yeah. sure. That finding that that good piece of wood to to tie some on. That's what I was getting at was. You said the wood part of it. I think that I would agree with that to a point, but it's also the time, but it's the the material as far as that sinew that you had to tie it. Well, and the with. fletching, the yeah. fletching, like they imagine, turkey feathers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so they didn't so that's have a ton the stuff that, that yeah. I'm in mean, resource wise. So it's like we want to be able to maybe the yeah maybe the the, the spear point, the the lateral point, the arrowhead, whatever was something that some people got very proficient at making, but I guarantee you that the you didn't have an overabundance the of the stuff to tie it on all the time. So if you could at least it preserve was the, the, the sinew, you know, it's the fashes on yeah. the inside of the, of the, of the, uh, of the hide and all that kind of stuff. That wasn't, I mean, it's not readily available. You got to yeah. kill that animal in order to harvest to that, this, that on this yeah. side of it. So I would imagine that's a big, I don't know if that was part of that discussion in Utah, but I would think the, the sinew, the stuff that they were yeah. using to tie that arrowhead point onto that shaft of wood, that mm -hmm. was highly valuable. Yeah. No, hundred you know, percent. And then, you know, I love the old Uncle Lavore too, you know. Uh, you can't find a straight piece of wood in this country, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's the other part of it too as far as practice. You know, you're not you're not going to have a perfectly straight piece of piece of wood for the shaft of an arrow when they got into actual bow and arrows. So, and we found plenty of points out in this desert. They're not aerodynamically perfectly the straight. Arrows themselves, but yeah. that one worked for the one that had a little bit of curve to the left on the shaft and we curved yeah, the arrowheads curve. one out the right <laughs> and the sucker sails straight, you know? It, it's so. just like when you bow hunt nowadays, right? You Fine get, tuning. You got, you got three arrows out of the pack that are really good, you know, that are on that shaft perfect and lined <laughs> up with your flat. And that's the, you know, those are your three hunting ones. And then you got all your practice arrows. They could be off by yeah. an inch or two either way, depending on how they sail out. You know, think about those poor dudes, man. <laughs> Took them all day to make that one arrow. Then they shoot it, and it's four feet to the left. So then you got to try and chip down some of your arrow to yeah. make it fly a little straighter. Uh, so yesterday, August 9th, today is August 10th. Yesterday was 15 years since Dad died. 
And on that trip, he found an arrowhead that I don't even know <laughs> how it would fly straight. It literally was a hard left turn. Like it was like people can't see my hand, but it's like up and to the left turn in like 30 degrees. And we were like, we always joked that uh, that was the Indian that rode the Shetland pony or <laughs> that had to shoot around yes. the tree. Like it was a curveball curve arrow yeah. that yeah. he had to, you know, he didn't have to shoot straight. It was had to shoot around. Rabbit head behind that tree. You yeah, just a rabbit around a bush that it had to curve around. It was just, it's just, I mean, like Clint said, your opinion on something, I might be way off. It could have been just. It could have been somebody so, practicing yeah, a kid or a something. A six-year-old kid yeah. that learned, hey, dad, look at my first arrowhead and bit you you're, off. You're but, making fun of him. Uh, which I personally <laughs> think that's a lot of, a lot of petroglyphs. You know, you read on stuff and, you know, what is what does this mean? You know, some of them are calendars and some of them are depiction of animals and stuff. A bunch of them are just a, you know, a 10-year-old group yep. of kids that are doodling on a rock. That was their form of a coloring book. I was going to say. There's or, no mystery in it. They're, it's just, they're bored, right? You got yeah. not, you have yeah. nothing to do. I, We're trying to solve the mysteries. of was, was this aliens or was this? No, it was a bunch of 10-year-old Paiute I, kids that were out just, you know, they were doodling on a rock. Yeah, yeah same thing, same, you know, kind of concept of being just kids out there doing they want to do what their parents are doing, right? Yeah. And they have kid toys today, right? They have, we drive a big truck and we give a little Tonka trunk to a kid, right? Well, the, the kids are going to have maybe just miniature stuff of what the parents had. So there's all, well, yeah, it wasn't not, in the form of play. It was, play, it yeah. was, that Learning. was getting them ready Learning for and life, ready. I'm just know? saying, it's just yeah, sure, some sure. cool things that, uh, to think about, even if you don't know the real answer, just put your own spin on it. That's what, cool. that's what I think is so, kind of cool about it you know as you just kind of wonder you know and and then same with you know when you find like broken ones you know was that a shot arrow yep was it I shot was, at a I piece was, of game was it shot sure. at a human being did it hit was a rock it, did it hit a bone did yeah it, <laughs> dude, like it's cool uh, did you break it in camp you can make up your own story basically yeah because that's what i think i think we've kind of generally broken up where we find arrowheads and what type of arrowheads we're finding you know you find camps you know there's definitely areas where they congregated and chipped yeah and there's Obviously, because you got to think they sat around all night long with nothing other to than, than to make their tools. That's and, my well, number they one. Were, they were hunter gatherers, so part of that that group of people they were out hunting. They were they were moving and they were on. I would imagine they left for days and weeks at a time to bring back food, yeah. and then the rest of that tribe, the pe maybe people who had injured themselves, the women, whatever it was. They were doing the other duties, yep. and that camp was basically where that was a central location, usually a water source nearby, mm -hmm. on the, a ridge to, for a lookout. Sure, sure. That's, so, yeah, a, you have that, your, that's where my mind goes is when I'm out trying to find out here. It's like, where would I camp? You know, if this was exactly the same layout ten thousand years ago when they were here, or whatever five thousand years, it doesn't matter. Where would I sit if I was going to camp, and where would I go hunt if I was going to hunt? Yeah. And I go to those spots, and typically it works out pretty good because for the same reason we all talked about in the beginning. But um, I was going to – what was I just going to say? Well, as you're thinking of it, what yeah. I was – what I was because we found study, you can start developing probably pretty accurate, you know, details of what was going on based on what you're finding because we found perfect arrowheads right in the middle of a camp. 
Mm-hmm. And you start thinking like, why would this be here? Why they wouldn't, this wouldn't have been shot at an animal right in the middle of the camp. Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, we've even joked that it just fell out of their pocket, you know, fell out of their, their knapsack or, you know, they left, they left some that were mostly finished for the, the next season. They were coming around and then you find shot arrows. You definitely, and there's no doubt we found yep. shot arrows. They're out by themselves. They're nowhere near a camp there's no other evidence of of obsidian flakes or anything like that you find an arrow and that's a lot of times it's got a little broke but yeah it was i think sometimes even it was an it was an uh, an animal that was never found right know? died it, and it everything died decomposed and obviously that, decomposed yeah. and here's this that was it was just something they were never able to track down so mm-hmm. and you may be right you may be wrong but it's kind of a you well, know your imagination or they did find it and it was broke because it hit the bone and they just threw it down because well, they and didn't that's need what it i was anymore. getting at we've even found you know i would imagine they're they're being pretty efficient with it we've found reworked arrowheads oh, yeah. i mean it's very obvious that the thing was a certain shape in the beginning and they've basically reworked it into a, a you know sometimes we found broken uh arrowhead points that have been reworked into a needle you know it's it very obviously was broke right in half but that had enough hanging off the edge of it and they just basically whittled it needle down and now they've got a punch you know all kinds punch. of stuff so they were they were pretty efficient people yeah well like you said it, you might have got really good at making those things but still was a job to survive kind of thing. So yeah, you're going to use, if you made really good ears on something and it broke at the tip, you might rework it into a, a shorter arrowhead or yeah, like you said, if it's mm-hmm. real sharp on one side, now that's a scraper. They weren't just throwing that stuff down, you know, that's what's, that's what also kind of makes your mind wander is like knowing how probably valuable those things are. How do they get lost? Yeah. Did it fall out of a bag? You know, like you said, in camp, I get, you know, if you think back, they they probably sat around the guys that were or gals or whoever were chipping arrows probably all sat together and so you what get if, all the chips and then if yeah. you break one it's like you Throw leave it, it there but well and what if what if we were going back to kind of warring facts what if they were sitting there and all of a sudden they were ambushed by right. you know and they kind of had to get out of town type of stuff you know that may explain why some good stuff was left behind and this and, uh, also what do we do when we get ready for an archery hunt shoot. Shoot, yeah. shoot and practice. Right. They're so shooting bales they're, or not bales, Yeah, they're shooting out there. You're that's camp, it, hanging out, yeah. shooting, yeah. having yeah. fun, Because you will. You'll find Contest. a lot of pretty good. Yeah. Sometimes just, you know, they're like they're like 85% perfect yeah, and stuff. They're and they're on, the, they're on the perimeters of that kind of camp area. Yeah, they're, they're those are your practice arrows. Yep. Yeah, yep. and here kind of transitioning to favorite finds, favorite stories of how we found stuff. And there's a place here locally that we have found some hunting blinds. No doubt about it, rock hunting blinds around this this knob. And Clay's perp- still in my favorite story. Oh, you're going to say? You tell it. Go ahead. I brought up Pops. You can bring Well, yeah, because it, definitely it's my favorite because it involves our dad. <laughs> but, yeah, it kind of goes, it goes, brings in a little bit of what we've been talking about. So, yeah, we're, this was an area that he somebody else had shown him and it was just kind of you know just happenstance and when i say an area just you know there's there's evidence of native american activity in the form of grinding bowls and mortars and things like that and there's these there's these huge granite rocks that are immovable and they've got you know there's several dozens of of grinding stones and and Mortals, we call mortars and pestles and things like that. The mortars would be the hole in the rock that's, you know, they're grinding down pine nuts and things like that. And so it's just an area of activity. So 
you're finding these all around and you're kind of you're just kind of looking at the lay of the land and i remember being there with my dad on this the first trip i ever been there and we we found the the mortars and pestles and stuff and you start seeing some various chips on the ground and i just kind of looked up and went well this is where they're hanging out where were they hunting and there's like a rock outcropping and then another rock outcropping and we walked up the mountain and the first rock outcropping had a had a blind in it no doubt it. you could tell how the rocks had been moved and stacked out of the way just just the way we would try to do it you know and there was even, you know, really just kind of the remnants of old dead sagebrush and sticks that are there. So they made a hunting blind and looked around there and stuff. And then there was one up a little higher. And I thought, oh, that's an even better spot to be to. So we walked up there and my dad walked up, you know, the left-hand side of the rock. I walked up the right-hand side of this big <laughs> outcropping rim rock or, uh, you know, just kind of a rock outcropping. And I'd come up on my side and I'm looking down into a really cool Indian blind, better than any of them on the lower end. I'm like, yeah, this is the spot where they were hanging out. You look off to your right and there's this nice little uh, draw, essentially, you know, maybe maybe 40 yards to the other side of it, a perfect little spot where animals just were passing through. So they set this blind up right on the area where these animals are passing through. You could just close your eyes and just see it. And so I'm standing on this rock and I'm looking down into this uh this blind and my dad comes back and up over the top, the opposite side of me. And he kind of like stops in his tracks and <laughs> just, you know, his face like goes white and like, Oh my God. No pun. Intended. And I, I'm like, what? Well, I don't know what, you know, and I, he says, look down, you know, cause right below me, I mean, I'm talking, I, all I had to do is look down off the side of this rock I'm standing on and down in the blind is where an animal has burrowed underneath a rock and the, the dirt is basically sitting on the edge of it. And there's this white arrowhead that's the size of your hand, literally on the side of this, this, you know, one more rainfall and this thing was going to slide underneath this boulder and it was going to be forever. gone forever. Right? It was just literally sitting there right on top of the ground. Like it was fake, like it was put there by somebody on purpose. And it was put there by somebody. But yeah, this thing is sitting around on top of the ground and it's right below. I never did see it. My dad saw it from the other side. I go down there and pick that up. We proceeded to find arrowhead after arrowhead that day. It was just one of them crazy days because once we found that, there's there's obviously a proof in addition to the blinds. Then you start looking around and sure enough, flakes and different stuff, broken arrow here, broken arrow there, perfect arrowhead here. I mean, we came home with the stash, which is one of many trips we've made where you come back with, you know, you don't find one arrowhead. You find, you find pieces and, uh, you know, you come back with two pocketfuls of stuff that was all worked on by humans, you know? What, what, another part to that same story, I wasn't there the first day, but now we've gone back, you know, a ton of times since because every windstorm, every rainstorm, every whatever takes off that last little bit to uncover more stuff, right? And you go to these blinds and you walk out, you look right around them, right? But you also obviously look out where they're shooting, right? And if you go too far, say 25, 30 yards, you don't find them. There's no chips, there's no nothing. They just end and you're like, what the hell? But in from there in, they're all over. So what is that? To my mind, I don't know, but in my mind is technology-wise, they're smart they enough. Shoot. They're not going to shoot at something at 30 yards. Mm-hmm. They have to get it 5 to 20, 15 yards, and you'll find all those arrowheads right in between there, all along there of missed shots and broken shots and whatever it is. That It's just so cool to sit back and think what, what are like What that. are modern-day bows? What do we, what do we shoot at? 
Speed wise, what's the speed? 300, 400, yeah. 25 feet per second. So let's go to, let's go, <laughs> 72 let's go back feet to Atlatl. You know, <laughs> as far as feet per second. Yeah, what could you throw in Atlatl? Do you know how you fast you were going, sir? whip. <laughs> yes, but do you know how fast you were going, sir? Seven. Seven. Seven, seven miles per yeah. hour. So yeah, that's, that's another interesting part of it. So you go back to the Atlatl, and yeah, how hard could you fling, even if you've got the best technology? Let's go to this, the best Atlatl technology period of time. How fast could they throw that spear point? Yeah. 42. I, mean, I never 40, actually. 42 feet yeah, per second. Can't be. <laughs> can't, no. I mean, like you, 100, 120. I don't know with an atlatl, but a bow and arrow is not shooting 100 feet per second. No. Not you, even close. You, like you said, they're, they're 5, 10, They got to get 20 yards. real close. That, that's the. And, and I think things that I've read before is they, they weren't. Uh, they definitely weren't like what when we shoot an animal, it passes right through them and their lungs are spraying out of them. You know, they they were just hoping were to draw blood. Them. They were excellent, and then they trackers. would track them forever. You know what excellent I mean? They, that's what they would. Well, and, I mean, think about that in its of, of itself. When you think about tracking an animal that you've shot, you know they they would barely draw blood on something, but they would follow its foot tracks, and you know then they'd wait till it la- laid down, and then they'd creep back up on it, trying another arrow True. in it or another atlatl pointing it, whatever, and. Yeah, it was a it was an ordeal, you know. It was a big, and you're saying they too, and it's not. I I can envision that there was a lot of solo hunters out there. They were hunting in a group. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, think about how hard it is to ambush a a, a a mule deer by yourself with your bow. These guys were they were probably hunting in you know half a dozen type pack because you just yeah. needed more people to ambush that animal and hopefully a couple of you even hit the animal and then how much yep. penetration you got. But yeah, you're talking. You're talking some serious, a lot of failure. Oh, you know, yeah. I always think about that all the time. They, they, and that's why you're going to find some stuff out there because they had a heck of a lot of failure. I can't even guess the, the, the you know. Think, the, think the, how many arrows hit an animal, but then just, they never even penetrated. Sure. You know, think how tough a Shit, deer hide I, is. I've had a dang, you watched it with your own eyes. I've had a yeah. dang arrow, what was I, about 43, <laughs> 44 yards away, and I've had an arrow hit a hit a deer right, right in the boiler. Yep. And... Penetrated in, about inches, four, four inches, inches or yeah. something because he hit a, he hit a bone. That's yeah. a razor sharp <laughs> yeah. titanium arrow made by the yeah. spacecraft engineers. Yeah, and couldn't get through. That's yeah. a, uh, brought up a, uh, an interesting story, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I believe it. Up on top above Pyramid Lake, there's a like a V shaped corral that goes right off a cliff, and just running animals to the death. They would run well or. They were all waiting. It, the V stop. comes to an end before the cliff, but oh, oh, oh. makes it so they can't really like jump over it, whatever. But we, they're yeah. all waiting at the back of the V. Sure. The other guys run whatever, a deer or a sheep or whatever, down through the V. They gets to the end. There's five, six guys, and they, they have those stones, you know, those throwing stones, and they would throw rocks at them and kill them. You know what I mean? And yeah, it was just anything. A, it was that, a, anything. It was a primitive way of life. That what's uh, Kent's what's what with his bobcat? Kent, uh, with Bobcats, not Kent. Um, I've got my mind Jim? on Jim Sailing. What, yeah. what, what does he do? Trapper? With, the, with his style. His style of he crowds. Oh, he crowds. crowds. I was like, what do you oh, crowds? He's yeah, crowding. Crowds I know animal. my mind was somewhere else. But yeah, he's crowded. It's, you know, I've written, there's books. You could read those. That, that was, you know, some of the stuff is firsthand knowledge. You know, was when the explorers or when the uh, when they were trekking out west, they, they ran into the. Sacagaweas and that kind of stuff. So they got some firsthand knowledge, and that I've read a couple of books that that's exactly what they talk about. That was a big 
very popular hunting strategy was what you're just calling it there. They were crowding them. Yeah. And then they, I guess you'd still call it an ambush, but they made it to where these animals had to kind of corral them up type of thing. And yeah, you see evidence of that right there. That's, that's cool. You brought I mean, up cool. the, the grinder bulls. What would you call it? The mortar, mortar, pestle? mortar and pestle. Yeah. To me, those are cool to find. I, I, I mean, cause I mean, you're talking like, I mean, at least the ones I was just talking about, you find different rocks, but granite, like, granite rock you know how hard that is think about your granite countertop and they've taken a most likely not another piece of granite it's another rock i don't know what what what's like in a that lava rock stone is, or something but that they're using another type of rock probably a little softer right but they've ground on that <laughs> granite rock so much even if it's like a half of an inch deep that's got to be hundreds so, of hun, hun, thousands and thousands of, but hundreds and hundreds of years and you find some of them there's one up there on peavine that's like eight inches deep yeah in a granite rock it's and like how many how many pine nuts were ground in that yeah. one hole you, right you there. find that other rock that's as smooth as a baby's butt because it's you know been worked against that other rock for thousands that's, of hours j- just somebody grinding and grinding and gr- it, that's and, and that's what you know like you said that's kind of what i think part of the fun of looking for these things and finding these things is like think about that think about how bored your kids get when they don't have their <laughs> tv or ipod or playstation for a couple hours think about living your entire life where your stimulation is grinding pine nuts or corn or whatever all doing something to survive it was yeah. all survival right hunting i mean you can't just go to what was your what was your market? average lifespan we live in the country of Seven primarily like the paiute we got the like the pyramid lake tribe the paiute and the shoshone which was a, a much know, larger tribe but what was the average lifespan in 35 i was gonna in, say 35 you know 1500 1600 a.d of that person of that you know let's say you had a tribe 30. of 300 people or something you know yeah 30. I bet you, you know, like we think of like the old medicine man in the, in the movies that we see and they look he like was they're 45. 90. Yeah, they were 45. Yeah. They were all but weathered. But you think about and, <laughs> at two or three, you're probably starting, you know, th- that's <laughs> yeah. when they're starting to, te- you know, you're, you're gutting animals or you're, 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 uh. Yeah. Scraping hide. You're, yeah. As soon as you start to get some dexterity and doing coordination, to, to help your ass is working. Yeah, Guaranteed. Yeah, you, you were putting it in the context of like play and toys and stuff earlier, which is a funny way of thinking about it. But it was all in preparation for life. They were yeah. just yeah. learning it on a smaller scale because the chances of you living to like probably what 15 years old were not very good. Right. That too. Yeah. <laughs> you if you didn't break your leg or get bit by a rattlesnake. Nutrition. Or, yeah. Starve to death. Whatever. Wars. Yeah. We, uh, we Whatever. used to hang out with this dude. His name was Ken. This is when I was a kid. And uh, he was just one of those really knowledgeable guys with, you know, like all the Native American, you know, and half of it might have been BS, you know, but he, he, one of the, one of the really cool things he had was it was a scraper. You know, it was, a, it was, it was almost like a teardrop shape, if you can picture it, but longer, but it was sharpened on one side. And the other, so the other part went into the palm of your hand, you know, but you could put your hand on this scraper and you could feel right where the hand goes. Yes. And that's another thing is it's like how many animals got scraped, you know, cause they use the hide just like, you know, you got to flesh an, an animal to get it taxidermy. Well, that's what their clothing and stuff was. Right. So they were scraping all that fat off the hides and doing whatever else, but you could feel where all four fingers and a thumb. I have and one. Then, 
I was just gonna. And, I, and was, I was gonna say later in life, I come across, yeah. you know, you guys and your collection. And I was you've just got gonna say, thing. Clay, yeah. literally, what's your coolest non-arrowhead find? And I knew that's the one you were gonna talk about. It, it literally, you can hold it in ninety-nine different positions, and only one that hundredth position fits your hand. You could close your eyes and roll it around in your hand and grab it. Nope, that's not it. Roll it around, grab it, and you finally feel it and go. Holy crap. It yep. fits like a glove, and, it, and that's the only way it was working. It, and if you do that, that side is the way. It, I mean, it's just crazy. And it proves that left-handers are goofballs because <laughs> that, that Indian was right-handed. Yeah. yeah there was no well, such thing as left-handed. You couldn't hold it left-handed. In, yeah, yeah, for sure. Right-handed scraper. What's your favorite cool piece? Non-arrowhead. Non-arrowhead? <sighs> Man, no, oh, non-arrowhead. Wow. Well, it's not something I found. I always reference something as far as like. Arrow straightener? Yeah, there's this really cool. We have a Stillwater Marsh out out by Fallon, Nevada, and um, some people might be familiar with like the canvas back decoy that was found in the what's called the Lovelock Cave, and these things were buried in a cave, and I think they were, I don't know, like six hundred and something years old. I can't quite old, and they were so well preserved because they'd been buried strategically and. It's like they they were able to put some some material down that helped vent away the water, so they didn't. Deter- I mean, it was a really cool find. It was found by uh, um, bat guano, guano uh, people miners and stuff, yeah. and they were digging around in this cave. But anyways, that so it's a, it's kind of a cool historical area and stuff. And then so out in the marsh, um, our friend Dave Stanley with the with the Canvas Bat Club out there. You know, they've found different stuff out there, different mortars and pestles. And generally, there was no rocks in that marsh. So if you're walking through the through the mud and stuff and you hit a rock, sometimes they, they just stop and they try to unbury the thing because it's most likely some kind of mortar. And anyways, uh, they find really cool arrowheads. We found some awesome arrowheads out there. But there's, just, there's always been this one back at the cabin that's just this like... What, what the, the hell? hell is that? That has to be, a, we've always said, like a ceremonial piece. That was like a pendant that they lit, that they wear on their a necklace or something and it's like they weren't going to fashion shows and stuff this is a utilitarian thing so a, a friend of dave stanley's you know right away when he sees it i can't quite remember clay will probably remember that connection but yeah oh that's a that's a string tightener yep tight what do you talk a string tightener well so now we're in a bow and arrow area era and if you think about this thing and you you know you look at how you would twirl to, together twine you know, somebody who probably has a little bit of that background, sure as shit, that thing is, it basically twi- twirls together just like a sewing machine, I guess, you know, the different sinew and it thickens it up and stuff. And you take that thing and twist it in your hand. Tighten your bowstring. You, bow if tightener. you think how like farmers are really tie a corner post, right? Yeah. At the end of any fence, basically you got a corner post and that corner post to the first fence post you'll always have cross member wires that are twisted around each other to hold that corner tight. Yeah. And that's exactly how they do it. They put, they have, it's a U shape here. Then they got a shaft and a U shape at the bottom. Yeah. And you put a line through here and a line through this end. And then this pat, this part of it, you got a shoot shaft and there's a little bit kind of fatter part in the middle of it. U, U, and then you just sit here and twist this part and that line twists in those two U sections. And when it gets tight, hook it together, slide that little piece out onto the next. So you, it's, they, in the Stillwater Marsh, they found that in the wow. form of, it's not an obsidian, I think it's basalt. Yeah, it's um, crazy white rock, beautiful. Mm. 
And who, I mean, think about it. We were talking about like, you know, the technology and, you know, but they were, who figured that out? I mean, let's just say, let's just say that thing's 500 years old in the eon of man. That's not very old at all. So that's pretty advanced. And I mean, that's in the, that's in the modern day man. But even at that time, I mean, they had the, they didn't have the technology to not use rocks to kill the animals. So they were still pretty primitive, yet they could think of that. They could think of a way to take dried out animal (laughs) sinew tissue. Even that alone is kind of like, you know, at some point in time they found out that's got some pretty good strength to it. It's hard to tear that stuff, you know? And then they thought, you know what? We need to get it thicker. Well, how do we do that? We sit here and we can braid our hair and stuff like that. How do we be more efficient at that? And some guy, you know, was carving into some rock one day and goes, I think if we put a U on one end of it and then we put a thick part in the middle, <laughs> they yeah. figure that shit out. It's yeah. crazy. No, that's awesome. And then, you know, we, guess, found, right? we find weights. We, there's a really cool weights. spot up north that's, cool. that's dry. Uh, going back to the Great Basin again, you know, it's this dry alkali desert right now. But a thousand years ago, it was it was a lake. And, uh, you know, so there's, there's stuff there that had to do with water, you know, with ducks and fit or at least waterfowl of some sort and fish. And you find, you find weights, yeah. you know, they weighted down their nets. They knew the fish and, were down lower or, yeah. you know, that knew they'd get the weight to the bottom or whatever. Crazy. And they're used so much. I mean, the reason, you know, their weights is, I mean, you have this little rock in your hand, maybe it's a little smooth on one end and comes to a point you think, yeah, that might be natural, but it's got a ring in the middle of it. There's no way that's natural. That's from a, a, a string <laughs> going around yeah. it for hundreds for, of years. Yeah, all that all that friction over years. It wore. A I can't keep ring a split shot for it, one so. day. <laughs> They're pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. I'm trying to think of my favorite. I know mine, arrow. so I'll go while you can think. Yeah, non arrowhead or is no? That no, I think the non arrowhead is the scraper. Yeah, your scraper's cool. That is so cool for sure. My favorite non arrowhead is not mine. But you guys were there. That. The the bowl of that peace pipe that that lady had. Yeah. I won't name her name. Uh, but, you know, if you picture a, uh, an old yeah. tobacco pipe, perfectly shaped like that, and then it didn't have like your like you see on the movies, you know, that big, long, you know, stem. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, the while well, the guy was telling the story, he goes, that, that's, that's BS. You know, they weren't all, that wasn't all rock or pottery or whatever, because... You know, they just, it would break, right? That's why they're not that way. He said, that was a wing bone off of a bird because they're hollow. The The part where you're putting the flame to the tobacco has got to be rock or pottery or whatever so it doesn't burn. But then the stem of the pipe is a is a bird's wing. That way, if, if it broke or you lost it or it got clogged up or whatever, you just pull it off and get another bird wing bone and stick it on there and you got your pipe again. That, that was so... To me, that was one of the coolest things I've ever I, seen. For, just real quick, just a quite off topic slightly because I just was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast and you're kind of getting at, um, uh, he had a guest on that has this, there's this, I guess this running theory in this, in this world of like agriculture, you know, how, how hunters and gatherers, when they move from hunters and gatherers to the next phase of, of generations of people, um, you know, why did they start cultivating land and stuff? And there's a theory out there. Did you did you listen to this podcast? Yeah. It's really cool yeah. that it had to do it was on the it was on the lines of, of of spirits, of liquor and beer and all that kind of stuff. And it was basically early agriculture, at least based on this guy's theory, was born out of 
getting drunk or getting high or whatever tobacco you know? or weed or they came whatever. across corn Healthy. and all that because they're and i guess there's evidence there i was i i, I haven't listened to the whole podcast really fascinating kind of a subject where like you're starting to talk about the, like this pipe all this intricate thought process and stuff that's been a pretty important thing through through the history of man is of not is to just to escape, to have your brain escape if it's mushrooms. I'm or in the spirit peyote, world. Right? Right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, you think like that's actually maybe what led to them learning how to cultivate corn and irrigate fields and stuff. Mm. It was really born out of the so idea they could get of that like mash. Yeah, yeah. Like that was what it was. They, you know, because they probably had something sit around for a while. And it, you know, it fermented or whatever and yep. all that. And they, you know, somebody must have taken a sip of it on purpose or by accident. They had a really cool euphoria and, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yep. But that actually is the reason why they started doing things like that. And I thought, I've never heard that before. That's we, a really cool. Right before we hear about Clay's, when you think about when you got to go home and have a whiskey or a beer or something after a long day at work, they were, they were fighting for their life all day long. Every day. So if you could escape your mind for just a few hours with a... Like you said, some fermented corn drink or <laughs> whenever they discovered weed, well, yeah, you it was chew probably on a, really nice to do, yeah. or peyote or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you chew on a four-day-old piece of raw or half-cooked venison, right? If you exactly. know, if you knew how to start a fire, <laughs> yeah, you freeze it or sweating your ass off all day. <laughs> Maybe that's why they had to get that way so that they could stomach that, yeah, that rancid that food. <laughs> I uh, I think I have two favorites. I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with two favorites. Arrowheads now, not non-arrowhead stuff. Two favorites. One being uh, no, it just made me think of three because it was three. <laughs> that's that's my problem. Every time you start three. thinking of one and more got, come up. I got go three. With the, go with the best out of the three. No, they're all awesome. Three. Two of them with my ex-wife, <laughs> Don, and one by my us three together. Okay. First one, Northern Wa all three Northern Washoe. One Northern Washoe walking along. Uh, and my ex-wife, Dawn, picks this rock up and goes, is this anything? That's where, is this anything? It's like a seven-inch perfect knife. <laughs> and I'm got, like, nope, nope, no, nothing. Don't, don't even worry. I'm going to put that back. Just lay that back down. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. So in, insane. Uh, number two, I'm going to go through these quick. Number two is again with her in another spot we are actually driving on a four-wheeler in a ditch just out having fun and she goes hey what was that and i go what are you talking about she goes it looked like a a leaf and i'm like as i remember you said oh i i saw it it was just it was a broken piece or something but yeah. it wasn't an arrowhead she says no it looked like a leaf yeah, it, yeah. She, we were going along look sort of looking for arrowheads whatever it was on it was on a private ranch and all this stuff and we were going along just four-wheeling through stuff and ditches and waterways and whatever and we can't and, she, and uh yeah like clint just said and i was like no it's not it's nothing let's keep on having fun driving the four-wheeler she's like no it, was, it looked like a leaf I'm like, whatever. So stop back, you know, put it in reverse. We go back there and there's this perfect orange. I don't even know what it is. It's a big, scraper. Big scraper. scraper. It's yeah. kind of a egg shape, oval egg shape, orange, big, big scraper, four or five inches. Yeah. Awesome. Cool colored rock. Cool colored rock. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. Chert. And like I look and I, I, So I get off of the four wheeler because I see it now. You know, I stopped. I'm like, 
oh my God, there, and I, I can tell what it is and I get off and pick it up and I'm going, oh my God, to the left, a four inch knife to the left of that brown rock uh, uh, left of that a three inch knife obsidian to the left of that uh, another arrowhead that that's was what like you wonder right four or five perfect arrowheads all right around each other in this deal but not a camp well no, no so, not this, so did a guy so, die right there with his pocket full of tools <laughs> man it's no, kind of crazy. i was just i was like and i'm screaming everybody's walking around in the desert i'm screaming like uh, you know <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. going on <laughs> No, he's got that mixed up a little bit. They were out on their little joyride, so he... Yeah, well, you know, you know, wife, you know. I'm sure he'll lie about how long he went out there and found all that stuff, but at some point he came back to camp, and he's like, we got to go back to the spot right now. Look at all the stuff I found. And it was unbelievable <laughs> how much stuff he had. We were not out there with him, so we proceeded to go back really? out there, and that's when we come okay, here. We found that, some, that's maybe, when I, I found that's a weight. Right. I found a, a fishing weight, so, but... Um, Maybe that's right. Oh, it was. It, but what it was at the end of the day, it's kind of one of those things where those were surface finds, but they were pseudo surface finds because that ditch was dug. Yeah, that ditch was dug for like from the rancher. Irrigation. So a rancher had gone through here and just kind of just dug this ditch. I think just to kind of like if there was a little bit of flooding, it would catch it and stuff. And yeah, and exactly. so this was this was stuff that was. Buried at some a point. A foot to maybe three to four feet but below the surface. But now on the surface because of what he and did. And it's been popped up in the air, and then as it, as it rains and stuff, and it's exposed. and Because you don't normally find that, and it's mm. all perfect stuff because it had been underground. And wow. it was and, and the whole thing is full of cattle. We'll have to post that picture right there because that was yeah. probably within... I'm going to say just like a hundred feet, like a ra- like a radius a diameter of a hundred feet. We found so much stuff because it was all... It was all dug up kind of from a rancher artificially. Okay. Yeah. Your third one. Third one. Sorry, real quick. And I think I got yours. I'm going to, I'm going to guess your number one fine. Clint. No, okay. maybe your two number one finds. I have too many. Okay. But I'm going to go with two. My third one is where you text us. You want to go with Cecil oh, Cove. Yeah. Okay. That one. Oh yeah. When that. we came across, when I came across that 12 inch knife. Yeah. I, Unbelievable. It, it's a, it's 12, 10, I can't remember, 10 or 12 inches long knife. I, I, I don't even know what to say about it, but it's, that's probably, it's gotta be my, it's the biggest, because the of the fine and the, the fi- way it happened. Oh that my is God. Just, it's so crazy. Well, Clint, it's Clint almost found like fake, to, like that. It's, it's so almost, big. And so it's like, that's gotta be fake. Clint just found one in the, in the water that, that day, the triangle scraper knife deal. I mean, we've. That place is insane because of the activity up there. But um, that's my 12-inch long knife. It's got to be my favorite. That was a pretty yeah. good day there, too. That was. Yeah, we, I we're got, going back. I got that po- picture we could post, too. Okay, this is my two, probably two. One is a random one that you might not even think of, and it's a random spot that, that we've never found an arrowhead before. We've never gone there before, and it was a random place that we were doing something else. And which is duck hunting on the Truckee River, and you found that white arrowhead yeah, that 10 cool. feet off the freeway. It was off the freeway. 20 yeah. feet off the freeway. I forgot about that. A that white cool. arrowhead was coming, walking up out of the river, duck hunting. And it was just there? And it was a, a, a not even obsidian. It was a white, like, basilite uh, wow. basalt. basalt rock arrowhead. Old, 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 thousands and thousands. And we looked it up. It was, like, ten th- minimum 10,000 years old. Wow. Uh and then number two is Clint had never found a knife. 
before. From what I remember of this story, he, oh, had, yeah. he had never first he had knife. never found a knife, and we were at this spot and going along, and he would always find you know bottom ends, top ends, hat, whatever it is, and we come across this place. It was like a rim rock. I had to yeah, like climb up rock, on the rim rock, yeah. through rim rocks, and there's this half a knife on sitting on top of this you know ledges of rim rock, and he's like, oh, God, another one? Are you kidding me? A freaking another broken knife? I can never find. And sure enough, like next step up to the next rim rock, the other half. Uh, and it fit. I mean, you couldn't fit. There wasn't a another piece of rock broken off of it. Just clean, perfectly in half. Perfectly in half. No splintering, no nothing. They formed perfect back together. And it was his first knife. that, And he was just like, oh, it was crazy too. Because, you, I mean, if you find a broken half, you never find the other right. half usually. Uh, and sure enough, he found the other half. 30 seconds Which later. automatically calls it like, how'd that thing break? Yeah. Like, did, did an animal step <laughs> on it? Well, how would they get just, it was such To me, that was a more, like it broke more like modern day because it was such a perfect break. Uh, like it fit back to bed the perfect, like it was broke earlier that day. So you got to figure it was a fairly recent, but you know, so. But how they maybe, get moved apart. Maybe. I, he, as I remember that, they weren't that far apart. I, I, it was, no, it was, it was like a couple of steps ahead. It was like it was here, but it was. But I, yeah, I could have swore it was one level yeah, up. Yeah, but either way, it was like you found a perfect knife that was perfectly broken half, essentially. You could fit the two pieces right back together. Yeah. What's so, your favorite, Crosby? Then we'll go to Clint's favorite since I. Those, are, those two probably aren't his favorite. Those are my two things that I really think of. But, one of my favorites was just found last year that gray all that I have oh, yeah. only because that's the, yeah. the the only one I I've ever found. You gray all that one on your antelope hunt that, walking back when that you found orange, that white black <laughs> arrowhead is is insane. Yeah. Like I don't have a ton of them, but that one was really cool. And we found what three right there all together, and mm-hmm. they were all kind of cool and different. And another thing, you know, makes your mind wander. What where were we at? That and really not just kind of like to me that was a pretty remote spot. Wasn't oh really, yeah, it wasn't really a water source. Those are no. kind of real cool ones. You just happen upon them and you start looking around and going like, this is a why weird is, spot to find here? something like that. You know? Yeah. I got sorry. I got one more for Clint. <laughs> you probably have ten more. <laughs> no, I got one more for Clint, and this has got to be high up there. We are. We're not arrowhead hunting for sure because it's wintertime, snow on the ground. And we, I think we're deer hunting or antelope scouting. I don't know, deer hunting. No, we were coyote hunting. Oh, coyote hunting. Okay, okay. we're coyote hunting. And we're walking from spot, whatever. And there is a melted, you know, snow patch. And there's this freaking perfect arrowhead in one of the melted four inch round circles that had mount, me, melted out of through the snow and right in the middle of that thing was a perfect arrowhead in the snow that he finds yeah because it was basically snow on the ground yeah, just <laughs> found one little melt. patch that was melted well it's like that you mentioned there. it earlier i found a, a up on a receding lake um if you will kind of like yeah. a catch catch reservoir or something but uh yeah i just had an instinct of like i'm gonna walk the water's edge a little because the water was down so you're kind of walking out in the lake bed a bit And I found an awesome knife. I mean, I'm sure at least a a few days before, but at least for sure a week before, that was underwater. Yeah. It was underwater. So it just happened to just recede enough, and here's this perfect knife just happened to be there on the the right weekend. Those are cool finds. That's what they say, and I've never looked out there, but at Pyramid Lake, you know, because of the way the water fluctuates. I've never found one out there. Because you're not supposed to look, and they don't like when you look and all that. (laughs) So, So 
you try not to look, but I have friends that oh, you know I've religiously awesome fished ones. out there. And I've heard of awesome uh, ones. people putting their boats in the water, and they're just. I've heard of people that, are, that you know they're in the water they're in and the they water. see them shining. Yeah, yeah. Glist- yeah. I found one at uh, Donner Lake. There, um, found one underneath a cow patty, flipping cow patties and rocks. Yep. Flipped a cow patty, and there was one stuck to the bottom of the cow patty. Mm-hmm. I remember, you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Flipped the cow patty and stuck to the bottom of the cow patty. It was a perfect arrow. That's why it was intact. Yeah, because it was covered. <laughs> Shit. I, we, I, I guess my going out story would be uh, went up on a top of a mountain where I proposed to my wife and didn't oh really God. know. Gee, knew I'm, the area, I'm leaving. Vac- vacationing <laughs> up in there and stuff. But we just, you know, sometimes you just you just happen across yeah. a, uh, an arrowhead cool. camp and. I've gone back there just recently. Uh, our anniversary was is today, by the way. Yeah, is it really? You know how many years? How Nineteen. Nineteen. Whoa. Just kidding. That's so weird. just last year, <laughs> what a loser! Last year, eighteen years, 19 we went up to Hinky Summit and and spent the night up on the summit. And I tried to find this spot where we found this arrowhead eighteen years ago. Now, nineteen years ago, and I can't find it. I cannot find the spot. It's like I have it in my mind, but I don't even know where it's at. But anyways, my intentions were to go to propose to my wife on the top of Hinky Summit. I had a plan all together, and my my idea was that I was going to find we were going to be arrowhead hunting in the middle of the day, and I'm going to find an arrowhead, and it's going to be the ring. You know, come on, check out this cool arrowhead, and make the long story short. You know, that's all that was on my mind. Clay and I were kind of formulating in our mind, and we'd walked out across this flat, and. I'm pretty certain if we didn't step on this thing, yeah. the, the cow stepped on it the day before, but Heather, oh my God, here's an arrowhead. Perfectly broken half. And it's very likely that Clay or I stepped on the thing because we just weren't yeah. in the mode. Yeah. And she was walking behind us, you know, 20 feet or whatever, and she found her first arrowhead. And it's a perfect, really cool, like long yeah. pinot point, and it's perfectly broken half. So I, I, I think that's kind of a cool story because that was, you know, I don't know, five, 10 minutes before I proposed There's so many freaking cool stories. I'm going to go two more stories, then we can wrap it up. Sorry. Because they get me excited. We're going to talk about these again next time. Yeah, I'm so excited. I love Arrowheads. Let's save them. I love Arrowheads. But no, two more. One, what you just said, walking with Heather and she finds one. What about Aunt Cleo and finding that all? Oh, and I was fixing my, my, me and Lavore are fixing my uh, blown out tire up camping and she yeah. goes off walking along i'm gonna just go out over here and look for arrowheads while you guys do it and literally seven thousand cattle have run through this and they usually walk the fence line right and the path is just beaten down and and you know that dirt that just kind of puffs up Silt, yeah. it's so beaten down she finds this perfect, by far the coolest perfect white rock all that i've ever seen i've never in, in seen between one two cattle tra- i mean the, you can't even it's just stupid unblemished and like I, we've shown it it's a, she it's has a great cat. collection and i i say that collection. i say that and and you say her great collection i say that story because i want to tell this story one day we uh she has all the stuff that she's kind of found and and given to her and and, and they're on a ten thousand acres so she has all, all, you know pick up them all the time but on private property but I remember my dad, or I, I'm pretty sure it was my dad, we, uh, gets a letterhead, and we put like uh, Indian uh, <laughs> Bureau of Indian Affairs logo, fake, fake, whatever. And obviously, we've been to their house before, and all our stuff's all over her house, right? And we send this before we're going up there, camping or hunting or fit whatever we're doing up there. But we send it in the mail. 
this letter. We're, we're made aware that you have some uh, this and that, and we're, we're <laughs> coming up to, uh, we're going to come comp, all this stuff, right? We get up there a week later, not an arrowhead in sight. Every, all the frames are everything down. Everything is down <laughs> off her walls. I mean, gone. Like, not a hint of an arrowhead. She's the whitest person ever in the history now. Never looked for an arrowhead. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, she's like, <laughs> she was so pissed off when we, we showed her this. She's like, look at this letter I got. <laughs> oh, you let her God. in. <laughs> She had that oh stuff God. all buried under the house. Yeah. He thought she was going to jail. <laughs> so, so this is a total segue. But yeah. our our dad died yesterday, fifteen six, years ago. Fifteen years ago, yesterday. So, close this out, Clay, with a story that's linked up with that. His sense of humor and the way he would get family members, you know, on the phone using different voices and stuff. But I tell the story about Aunt Vida, cousin Vida. The slug in the slot machine, okay. and then her, and then her come back to okay. it. I think that's the ultimate story yeah. to send us out. Man, dad stories. Can I can I go with two? Do that one. I'm going to end with that, but this first one before you say that, dad, he could he could literally call people and have a voice, and five minutes later change his voice again and get you again on a different story and whatever. He's for awesome. all you millennial. F's. This is before caller ID and cell phones and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so you're talking course. landline to landline. <laughs> Nobody had any yeah. idea of your caller number or nothing. So he, his best friend, Lauren Bigliari, Chad's godfather, uh, just had a second girl. And he's going for his vasectomy. Okay? So he goes gets his vasectomy. And a couple weeks later, my dad calls him up. Says, uh, yeah, Lauren, this is... Now, best friends for, you know, their whole lives. Yeah, Lauren, obviously in a different voice. This is Dr. Chesnick, whatever his name is, right? Uh, something's wrong with the sperm. Uh, you got to bring in another sample. We don't know if it took or, you know, if the vasectomy worked or whatever, right? So here comes Lauren with a vial of his semen and brings it into the doctor's <laughs> office and just sets it on the desk to the nurse. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, Dr. Chesnick told me to bring it in, that he needed to test it. And she's like, no, he didn't. We don't do that here. <laughs> That's so and Right then and there. He knew it was over. He knew it was over. Oh, my God. <laughs> he had to bring it up. Anyway, so that's one thing. But this one uh, that Clint's talking about is our Aunt Vida, God rest her soul, she younger was the most beautiful, gorgeous woman ever. But in her later life, she got a little large. And I'm not making fun of her. Just happened. And at this time, she was still pretty midweight, I would she say. She was somewhere in between. Yeah, she was a middleweight, not a heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> and our family is okay with us talking about her because everyone knows. Okay, so uh, before you yeah. get mad at me before for making, right in here. make fun of uh, my aunt, Body it's all shaming. good. Uh, she was down in Reno, her and her family, her sisters, all the cousins were down here in Reno gambling. And my dad was down there, obviously hanging out with the family. And he tells one of the security guards that that woman down there is playing slugs. <laughs> that I'm going to interject real quick. I, cause now this wasn't Vita small, this the picture, uh, 
Yeah. Let's just say 300 pounds. 300 pound, big, big, tall, big woman. Big, you know, athletic, but also just let herself go Tough. a bit. Sitting Country woman. Country the old style slot group. machine with one the one arm bandit yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, and down so, from the bar and my dad tells Yeah, the, the security guy. guard. And a slug for people who don't know because they usually just... Put in a hundred dollar bills and they're fake just coin. credits. It's a fake coin that has a hole in the middle of it or at the top of it, tied to a string, and that string would come up out of the coin slot, and it would just be pulled up and down past the sensor to give you extra plays. Slug machine. So my dad's down at the end of the aisle of machines and says, "Hey." That lady, I was just down there playing, and that lady's playing slug. She's got a string, and she's doing weird stuff, and I don't know. I just wanted to bring it to your attention. And then he goes and hides, right? <laughs> well, he's looking at down the edge of the edge of the slot machines, and you see him walk down there and start talking to her. You know, you can just imagine what he's saying. Hey, let me see your coins. You know, been brought to my attention. You're playing slugs, and she's just known. You know, throwing her hands up and. Here's my coins in the in the white buckets, you know, that yeah, yeah. I used to have. And uh, she's getting just furious, pissed off. She had a really quick temper. And uh, and she's looking around just pissed off. And here comes my dad, little five foot, five and a half, <laughs> little 180-pound body, comes laughing his ass off around the edge of the deal, right? And she's just like steaming. And she comes running down and uppercuts my dad <laughs> right there in the middle of the casino and lifts him off the floor right there, right in the casino. <laughs> Boom! And just pissed off. And the security guard's like, what the hell is going on? And my dad's laughing, knocked out on the floor, right? And so months later, six months later, I don't even know. I don't know if I've ever heard the distance in between, but she let that go for a while. But she knew she was going to get him back, right? So she calls up the house one day, and in her little sexy voice goes, "Is Orville there?" And my mom answers, "Dad's, <laughs> Dad's at work." Is Orville there? No, he's at work. Who's this? Oh, this is Christy. Um, who's this? This is Faith, his wife. Her only answer, her response: Oh, he didn't tell me he was married, <laughs> and, and hangs up. <laughs> and let she let that go for months. Oh my god! Months. My mom and dad obviously fought, oh, yeah. and a lot of things were wrong in the household. <laughs> but for months, she let that. Oh, he didn't tell me he was married. Joke play out <laughs> on my dad because he did that, and that's our family playing jokes. But anyway, that had oh, nothing to do with the arrowheads. But anyway, that's or lucky faith didn't have a six had, hour after it, that. It happened. all circles back because. My dad got us into it, and uh, God rest his soul yesterday. 15 uh, years. Mm-mm-mm. Crazy. Yeah, it goes by quick. Well, I'd like to do another episode on Arrowheads. I think, I think we, we could kind of maybe, if I had a suggestion, maybe get, if you guys want to, a little bit more of the technical side of it. I could think of, you know, there's different points, which, which, which helps you, you know, just automatically certain points are certain eras. You know, so if you find one that's got a certain shape to it, yeah. um, it's got a name. Yep. And these were made, and they're based off of of the digs that they've done in certain sites, certain caves, different stuff where they've time stamped stuff how far down in the earth. So they got a pretty good idea of, you know, if it's this shape point, it's yep. this this old, and so that that part of it. 
I think further the the aspect we didn't really get into the whole shot arrow. We got into it a little bit versus camps. Um, Don't let him in on all the secrets, um, man. We're going to talk no, about I'm just this saying, stuff. yeah, all the different the different aspects of it. You know what we do to you know to try to find a new spot or you know old spots, those kinds of things. I don't think we got too much into that aspect of it. Okay, let's wrap this one up. Wrap it we'll up. Come back here again. We'll discuss this more if it interests you. Shoot us a little message on Instagram or Facebook. Send us an email. Mail us your favorite arrowhead. We'll critique it. <laughs> no uh, guaranteed on returns. And uh, thank you again to Sig Sauer for uh, partnering up with us here. We talked about the first primitive concealed weapon and the new <laughs> P360 that Clay carries 365. P365. Oh, that Clay carries 364 and three quarter days out of the year. That's right. You should too. It's the best. We'll see ya. See ya.